Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99%. My name is Jesse Vondracek, head coach at Top Step Training, and I'm here with Elliot. Hey, everybody. Elliot Bassett, Mountain Endurance uh, is the name hey. of my company. It's good to have Elliot back. He's been he's been out of out of office for a little while, so welcome yeah. back. Yes, I'm glad and to be back. We also have Marilyn with us. Hey guys, good to see you. I'm happy to have all three of us back together. As always, you can find me at mcc.coach. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy now that you two are all here. It gives me more time where I can space out and you guys can talk. So I like it. A little, little pressure off me. <laughs> so uh, since we do have all three of us back together and we've all been doing a variety of different things, we thought we would do a little episode titled Catching Up with the Coaches. So you're going to just hear kind of what we've all been up to and hopefully it'll still be entertaining and we'll, you'll be able to glean some, some nuggets that you can use in your own training um, just because we have been doing some kind of different things over the last few weeks. Very broad, but we hope to uh, impart some knowledge on your on your brains, or at least give you something to make fun of us for. So Jesse, we get to start with you, right? Yeah, I'm ready. I'm okay. I'm stretched out. Nice I'm and gonna, flexible over Maryland, here. I'm gonna, this is I'm also gonna take known it. as what do they call it? Roasting, roasting the coaches. <laughs> oh gosh. Whoa, really? <laughs> so we, so we listener, here saying catching the up with the coaches, but actually we are here to roast the coaches. <laughs> and what you need to know is Jesse's great hair uh, is no longer. It has been shorn off. I can only suspect, I swear this leads in, uh, he did a race. It was a big race. I believe it was entitled the North American Championships, not in Tulsa, which was a <laughs> weird name to call a race that's in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, that's a dig at Maryland having no clue with between the difference of Iowa and Oklahoma. I'm just kidding. She knew. Um, <laughs> I was just, I don't know where my head was. If at. we're going to go with roasting, I'm just going to get it rolling. <laughs> so Jesse, you did Ironman North American Championships in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, was it Saturday or Sunday? Sunday. Okay. And, and you, after that in about what, three weeks time, Correct. you are racing. I'm racing challenge Roth, which is for those un, unaffiliated is also an Ironman, just not legally. Yeah. Iron distance in, in race, German. probably like the, the Second. biggest, I was going to say behind Ironman Hawaii. It's the oh, yeah. second okay, biggest. Yeah. 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 Probably second biggest Ironman in the world. Um, super. Yeah. Super popular in Europe. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's kind of a bucket list race. I'm going to head over there in a couple of weeks. I'm actually going to do a 70.3 or a challenge half distance the weekend before in Austria and then challenge Roth. And so you did I, Texas. So yeah, I did Texas a few weeks before Des Moines. Um, but yeah, then it was Des Moines a weekend off a weekend with a half and then a weekend with a full it's kind of my little four week block I'm in the middle of right now. Yeah. I'm actually like, I, we, I don't know, it was a few weeks ago, obviously now we were just kind of hanging out chatting and you were just thinking about this idea. Then you were sort of toying around with you just on Texas and you were toying around with this layout and sort of thinking about your training, how you're going to lay it out how to make the travel possible, how to approach each race. And we haven't had a chance to catch up since then. And so I really am curious. I want to hear, well, one, how did the training go between 
that conversation after Texas, because that was like right like the week after or whatever, to to the race. And then, you know, obviously everything forward from there. Um, so yeah, I guess the the training block between the two, it took me a while to gain traction after Texas. I felt like I was kind of struggling, but then kind of like three weeks out from Des Moines, things started to click again. And I had a pretty solid three weeks leading into Des Moines where I felt like kind of all, all cylinders were firing. I felt pretty good. Um, Six weeks. How long was it exactly between Texas and Des Moines? You're asking all the hard questions, but about six weeks. Yeah. So it was like, yeah, two weeks where I was just like kind of maybe it was seven weeks. It was like two or three weeks where I was just kind of like floundering, kind of struggling to get things going. And then I had like three pretty good weeks of training and then kind of a taper week and a race week. Um, what did that exactly look like? Like when you say like, break it down as far as like, okay, I was struggling and floundering. Like, what did that look like? And then what did the actual, when you felt it click over, is it an actual, like the whole week just started to feel better? Was it like one session? And then what did that look like once you started to feel better? Um, I guess it was just like, I was doing, you know, a lot of the same workouts, a lot of the same group rides and the power just wasn't there. And on the run, like I could hit some of the paces, but I could tell I was working way harder than I wanted to be working in order to do that. So it was kind of like, yeah, just none of the sessions were feeling like good. Um, power was definitely a little low on the bike and swimming. I was, I was like, <laughs> I was not, not close to the times I was hitting before Texas. And then, yeah, after about I mean, were of, you just post-race fatigued still, you think? Well, it was, I, that was part of it, but I think part of it too, was that like after Texas, I basically had to take a week off just because like Frankie's school was shut down and, um, there was just kind of a few things happening at once. I think Amy was a little sick for a while. And, and so I just kind of like my, my dad duties were, were kind of, um, increased. And, and so basically I took a full almost a full week totally off after a race, which doesn't may not sound like a crazy thing, but you know, in my advanced age, I feel like I kind of need to keep ticking things over. And I just think it took me a while to kind of get back in that groove. Um, because it's not like I was just like resting and recovering. I was like chasing around a four-year-old that wasn't able to go to school for a week. And so I was like moving and tired and also not able to do any of the things I wanted to be doing in order to like stay moving around appropriately if that makes sense that's actually like a really super important point for i don't know if people could actually like really hear what you're saying there but this is super specific to sports and a lot of people go through this they're like i'm really tired and i'm doing all this stuff but it's not a fatigue that's specific from training so you're not only not getting fitter or you're not able to it's like more tiring you know when it's work i've had athletes go through this a lot they're like i'm exhausted and they're actually not training that much they're you know doing maybe a quarter of what they normally do and and that kind of fatigue is really stressful you know it's really tiring and stressful but it's not the kind of fatigue like you mentioned there and the only reason i'm laying this out is it's i don't know that people might have heard this when, when you were describing that it's, you were really tired, but you wasn't the kind of tired that was making you fitter, which is, you know, that happens to so many people. Right. And it's hard to know. So I want to know from you, like, what, how did you handle that? that? Did you just start training and just keep plowing through? Cause a lot of people's reactions when that happens is to back off the training even more. Did you, 
Did you do that? Did you back off even more? Did you say, Hey, I just got to get once I'm out of this week, get going and roll through the, you know, low power paces, a feel hard, that kind of thing. So once I was able to start catching up on sleep, then I kind of just put my head down and plowed through. So there's a couple of days, like once I got on the other side of that, Frankie was back in school where my training load was still pretty low, where I was just like trying to come out from under, I guess, like that, the fatigue from lack of sleep during that week and trying to get back on top of like work and everything else. And, um, and then I kind of said, okay, now I just really need to put my head down and get to work and just kind of, I wasn't worried in the beginning that I, I was going slow. I was just like, okay, I'm going to, this is going to happen. You know, I took a week off. I did a race. Like nothing's going to feel good for a while. I just expected it to last like a week and it lasted like three weeks. So that was like a little longer time period than I anticipated. Um, was there like a specific, was it just all of a sudden a week started to flow better? Or was it like a specific session? Cause I've certainly had those times where I was like in the middle of a ride or something. I'm like, Oh my God, I just got fit right now. Like, like, <laughs> all of a sudden, like things just turn around and you're like, Oh, I feel better. Um, or sometimes it just sneaks up on you where you're like the week starts rolling along and your everything starts to open up and feel better. Was there a real defining moment for you and all that? You know, there wasn't like any one moment, but it was like, you know, towards the, like, say the end of that, that second week beginning, beginning that third week, I remember having, you know, a couple of swims where I was like, oh, like I, there's that speed, you know, I didn't have it for the whole swim, but there'd be, you know, part of the main set where I was like, oh, I, I can, I can still go fast once in a while. And then I had a few runs where, you know, did a little tempo work and I was like, oh, this is kind of starting to feel a little better. So it was like these glimmers in the workouts that started to show. And then after I started seeing glimmers in all three sports, then kind of, you know, eventually it was like, well, now everything is going pretty well, but it kind of started these little pieces where like a little piece of a main set or a few intervals on the bike, kind of like, Oh, this is, this is that feeling that I was looking for. And then you did get in three, what you would consider what significant or quality weeks of training. And then you, I'm assuming you took the last week pretty chill and popped into the race. Mm -hmm. And so the race itself, like, uh, you got seventh place. I hope that's correct. Right. Yep. Um, in the cash, in the money. Um, I heard they paid you all in singles, which is a little <laughs> weird. And um, so like, ob- obviously, you know, you're, you're in the hunt if you will, but like, what's your, what's your self um, like grading, right? So not, not just of your execution in the race, but also like your thoughts on that month before. To, just to give one more little background information is that week leading into the race, when I started tapering, mm-hmm. I got sick and I had to take two days completely off in the middle of the week. And then I had to do like a, two very light days right before the race. So like Wednesday and Thursday, I did absolutely nothing, which is not normal for me that far, that kind of far out from a race. And then Friday and Saturday, I did like very, very little training just to make sure I was like somewhat healthy. Um, and that was pretty annoying because basically I only swam on Monday of race week. And that's the one thing I like to do pretty consistently, even in race week. Yeah, for real. You swim like once in the, okay. Anyways, carry on. I just like, I had to prioritize getting healthy and yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So that's this and, and, and 
you are not of a swim caliber where you can Andy Potts it and just not swim and show up and be first pack. And, and I felt like, I didn't feel bad once I got moving in, in the sports from like, I just had a little like congestion, head cold. I felt like, you know, tired from it. But once I got running or got riding, I could, um, I could, I felt okay, but I just felt a little bit sluggish. And for a race like Des Moines, I, that's not what I, I wanted to be sharp because I knew that swim was going to be hard. There's a few really strong swimmers there and I knew they're going to take it out of the water. And I knew that's where I wanted to be. And I don't want to say I gave up before the race started, but I was like, I just knew I felt sluggish and not quite sharp. And so I was really nervous for that swim start. And so, I mean, lo and behold, I, I kind of, I blew the swim start. I was with that pack for a second. I kind of veered a little bit, tried to get back in and then they were gone. And I mean that me missing that swim pack, I don't know how much it affected my place, but it totally changed the dynamic of the race I was then in. Um, so I, and I do kind of blame that on only swimming once on race week. I, I maybe, I, maybe that's not true, but that's in my head. That's kind of what happened. Cause you're, you're close enough to, uh, like your swim fitness, like you're close enough with a handful of swims. It's more just that sharpness, right. To, to miss that or not miss that. And, and we are, even though it is an eight hour race, you're splitting hairs to, to make that pack. And, and you're obviously, you're not at a level where you're just going to make it no matter what, um, even if you're fit, but you clearly can make it most of the time. And, and that's what, so, um, do you think you train too much and that, uh, that's why you got sick or do you think it has more to do with the fact that like, you live with a small child who's covered in germs? Yeah. Frankie, um, got sick that week and, um, missed a day of school. And, sure. and I just, I, um, I seem to pick up a lot of things, you know, like that's just, if Frankie you always had, have, even when you were a teacher, you're yeah, my, I even, mean, like, yeah. I mean, even when I was a kid, like I got sick a lot as a kid, you know, it's just kind of, I, I, I don't know. It's kind of the Have way I just am considered not doing that. Uh, I, I haven't. Thanks. That's I should, <laughs> I'll write that down. <laughs> Pro the tips. roasting don't get sick check oh i was trying to do that actually <laughs> um well so but i mean like i think because that's what like uh right like so many people if you're listening to this and, and you're like okay well like don't get sick okay i mean there's not there's nothing you can do if your four-year-old comes home and they're coughing on you and they need help right and so the oftentimes the question is when you're in a scenario like you are and, and you do an Ironman and then you take some downtime and then you get back into it. You have a, ru- a, a rough week getting back into it. And then you knock off three solid weeks. Sometimes those three weeks are too big. Right. And it doesn't sound like they're too big. It just sounds like you have a four-year-old around the house, but a lot of people listening to this will like be like, Oh, this is a great, you know, a great layout for two Ironmans with seven weeks in between. You're like, well, it can be a great layout, but you really need to make sure, you know, that weekend before or those 10, the 10 days before the race, you're probably still training more or less like pretty full on. Um, but you don't want to go like over the top. And that's always kind of the spot where you're like, eh, it's probably better to do 5% too little than 1% too much. Um, were you training those three weeks in mind though, with the fact that like, you're going to be going off the back of this race into travel. And then these other two races, cause we kind of talked about that. Whereas you're thinking, okay, if I feel pretty good, I'm going to do a huge, like something, a really big block actually, cause you knew it needed to carry you all the way to Roth. So is that how it ended up playing out or. 
Um, so yeah, that was my, my thought process was to maybe go into Des Moines with a little more fatigue than usual because I wanted, yeah, to kind of float the fitness for a few more races. Um, it, it didn't, I didn't train quite as much as I wanted to. And partly because I didn't, well, partly because I didn't, I took me a little while to get traction. And then also it got really hot here. And, and that's one thing where I, I, you know, I even cracked once or twice during this training block. And I know it's something I need to be careful. Most people need to be careful of is it is a pretty strong stimulus to add to it. So like, you know, my training hours were right around like 30 hours for those three weeks, a little under like 28 to 30, somewhere in there. Um, and, and I think that that plus the fact that it was hot here made it kind of like a little, a little more of a training stimulus than it would be if I was doing that many hours in say like February or March here. So by the hours, it wasn't as big as I was hoping, but I think by the stress, because of the heat, it was, um, it, it felt a little bigger. Right. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And so going into travel now, and going into like this next little, when do you actually travel to Wednesday? Wednesday. Of, yeah. Next week. So pretty quick. What's it mm-hmm. look like? Like soon as the race finish and then like going like this, how, how does this look? Lee's bridges. <laughs> um, so, you know, li- life is interesting and you know, I, I didn't feel super sick on race day. I, I coughed a little bit on the race course, blah, blah, blah. But it basically, as soon as the race got over, I was like straight back to being sick again. So I've been sick again for the last couple of days, um, which, you know, makes sense. Like the virus wasn't totally gone. And then I did an Ironman. And so it's just like, Oh, let me just take, take back hold again. So today's kind of the first day where I actually did any training post race, which again is a lot longer than I would have normally taken off. Um, so, but now it's just kind of like, well, I, I know I was fit and no, I am fit. It's just making sure I can stay moving between, now and the 70.3 that's in 10 days. So I I'm going to try and swim every day between now and when I leave. Um, I mean, for a couple of reasons. And, and one is that it's going to be important in these next couple of races to be sharp in the swim, but it's also a good thing to do in between races. It's low impact and helps recovery. So I'm going to swim as much as I can. And then I'm going to do one quality session on the bike, one quality session on the run, between now and then, and, um, and then, you know, just a little bit of maintenance work when I can. The other piece of this puzzle is Amy is racing this weekend. So I'm single dadding at this weekend. Um, so still on. So for those listening, Jesse, sure. He's good, but his wife is better at life. <laughs> um, Hey, you said we get to roast. So I'm just like, anyways, well, that's uh, truth. That's not, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> um, I was more taking it as an opportunity to make fun of you, but Amy, I think, is this going to be 13 races in 13 months? Yes. Yeah. So shout out Amy Cole, Dr. Cole. Um, but so, yeah, so the amount of training I get in is going to be a little bit limited. Um, so I don't know, Marilyn, if you want to hang out with Frankie at all over the weekend, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, it'd be like, why am I hanging out with this lady? Dad's <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, that sounds like, you know, like any preparation and any plan we put out, you know, you put out a plan and then it's like, okay, well, like you said, then life happens and it's roll with the punches and try and figure out what's going to actually work. And I think the other piece of this whole puzzle is this next travel is international. And so is there some thought that you've put into that with this 
whole, you know, plan that you've put together and, you know, thinking about the training and, and all of that, and even just being sick. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really prioritizing getting healthy because I do not want to be at all sick when I'm trying to travel internationally. And I am also traveling internationally with a four-year-old and with grandparents. I don't know which is going to be more of a burden in the travel. Um, so yeah, that, that's going to be interesting, but yeah, no, I'm going to make sure I'm rested for the travel because yeah, it's going to be stressful. And then when I get there, I'll only have a couple of days before the 70.3. So it'll just be kind of like, again, I'm going to try and swim a few times, stay sharp, sleep as much as I can, not worry so much about when I'm sleeping, as long as I'm sleeping, do the 70.3 and then I'll have kind of that full week to get ready for Roth. So, so again, I'm less worried about the 70.3. I mean, I'm going to go there and go as absolutely hard as I can for most of the race. Um, but it is just going to be kind of like my last hit out before Roth. And so that's going to be my mindset. And then, so yeah, kind of getting there and getting as acclimated as I can before the race and then using the race as kind of like a launching pad to one last kind of boost in fitness for Roth. Right. And we even talked about this too, because of the COVID years and stuff, there's not, it's the first time you've traveled internationally with the change of, you know, eight hour change clock in a long time. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so it's like knowing how that's going to impact things, you know, don't really totally know how hard it's going to be on you. It might be totally fine. You get there and you're like, oh yeah, bounce straight off the plane and feel pretty good. And it might be you know, the first time you travel internationally in a long time, sometimes it beats you up a little bit for a couple of days. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of variables there, like how well you happen to be able to sleep on the plane. And for me, it's going to be how well Frankie sleeps on the plane. So, you know, there's, there's definitely some moving, moving parts there, but, but yeah, so I think I'll have enough time when I get there, like Thursday to Sunday to get some good quality naps in, if that's the best I can do. And maybe a couple of good nights of sleep. Um, and then be able to race. But then I do have that full week between the two where it's really going to be, I think a little bit easier to say, okay, like, especially waking up on that race morning, executing the race, that'll be a good kind of like tipping point to say now I'm on the appropriate time zone. Right. Yeah. It'll be exciting to follow you and exciting to watch you go, you know, and then we'll be able to touch base afterwards. And, you know, that's uh Roth is such an, like you said, it's such an amazing race and it's such a bucket list that so many people should do. And, um, I don't know how many people have actually stood there on the sidelines or the finish line there, but it's probably one of the best races I've ever been to aside from Kona. That's for sure. So, you know, enjoy it and have a great time there. The crowds there are amazing. It's a fast, hard race. So you're getting to, you know, do some really cool racing and, uh, in our sport and Felix who owns that race is absolutely amazing. He's a total legend. So, you know, it's going to be, I'll, I'll be excited for you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm pumped. They've all been super welcoming so far. So, um, and I guess one other thing to throw out there, I know I've been talking for a long time. Sorry guys. No, I kind of factored in my decision of, of why I feel like I could stack these races is I knew Des Moines was going to be really hot and you might say, well, that'll take more out of you. But I think the thing that recovers the slowest for me is like when I, my muscles are really fatigued from running really hard and I mean, I ran, I ran like a 303, which isn't for my, like, I guess my run threshold isn't super, super fast. Yeah. So my legs feel pretty good now. 
and it's only the Thursday after. And if I had ran, you know, like a, a 248 or something that, that would kind of be like stretching me a little further muscularly, it would take me a lot longer to kind of come out from under that muscular fatigue. And that was definitely a factor where, I mean, yeah, I was probably dehydrated after, and that's going to take me a couple of days to kind of come back around from, but that muscular fatigue would stick around a lot longer. So if it was like an Ironman Florida, that's going to be cold. I was going to be running really fast. I might say, Hey, that's going to be harder to back up than a race like Des Moines. So just, if you are stacking races to, you know, different things to kind of think about. Yeah. That's a really good point for sure. I'm on board. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> Cool. So Elliot, you've also been, uh, you know, we haven't seen you in a few weeks cause you have been all over the place, little training camps with Erica races yep. and, um, setting up, setting up her training and, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's go through what the last, I mean, last time I talked to you, you were in Tucson and she was coming out of a big training block to go into her season. And it seems like she's been putting some good races together. So let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the last, we, we left Tucson about a month and a half ago, I guess, maybe sometime in May, um, Erica headed over to the first WTCS of the year which is actually the third WTCS of the technical championship season, which is all very confusing. Um, so she did an Olympic distance in Yokohama. Um, and I guess first for those time, of you, right? that was the first time she's done an Olympic distance. No, well, she's done world cups plenty, but that's okay. her first, she did leads in 2019 and DNF. And so like leads kind of has her number. Those are her two worst races. I'll get to that in a second. Um, at least on paper, um, yeah, so that was her first WTS Olympic. She's done, I can't remember off the top of my head, but like four sprints and a super sprint WTCS. And those are obviously um, a different animal. And and these races, if when you know the sport, when you get on the start line of these races, they are the equivalent of the same, the caliber of field is 100% equivalent to a world championship race. So you're like, you know, you just get more of them in a year as opposed to Ironman. Um, and they're really hard and they're really freaking fast and a couple second mistake here or there, um, can super make or break your race. But anyways, so she went there, she got 15th, which, um, in the grand scheme of things is really good. That counts for, um, as far as like USA triathlon goes, if you have three results like that in a year, you'll make the national team again for the next year. So that's good. Um, and then just generally speaking, like there's a point system and, and if you're in the top 10, you're getting tons of points. And if you're in the top 15, you're getting quite a lot. And then it starts to trail down somewhat quickly after that. Um, so she's kind of like right in the hunt. Everyone around her is an Olympian and has had, you know, tons of results. I would say like the, the great sign is she gets, a, I can't remember exactly how many seconds it was, but you know, she's out of the water, like under 20 seconds from the first swimmer in a 1500, which is great. Except then you see how everything shakes out through a long T one and the start of the bike. And it really is just like on a hundred percent. And so you can watch the live feed and it's like, she was clearly the last person to not get onto that pack. And you're like, well, shit, but then she still rides really well through the group she's in, you know, the group she was in is normally like the front group in a standard world cup. And then she runs really well out of that group. Um, does a great 10 K fastest 10 K ever. I don't know her time exactly, but it was like 34 in the middle. 
um, which is not exactly slow, especially if you just like swam 19 flat um, and there's no, no testicles involved in this scenario. So um, it was a really good race. And then she flew home. So as far as like time zone changes, she just went North America to Asia, back to North America, trained in Boulder for two and a half weeks and then took off um, from there to England to race the next series race, which was a sprint distance race in Leeds. Can I, can I stop you before you keep going on on, uh, into the Leeds race? Sure. So she does the race changes time zones and has two and a half weeks of training in Boulder. Correct. Um, Can you kind of talk about how that training went for her? Like, and how, what, what your thought process was in structuring that coming off the time zone change before she had to go race again. Um, and then also like, is this a new place for her? Do you, did you guys know the lay of the land, like kind of how those logistics played out for her with all those guys, it's got a lot of variables going on at once there. Right. And then having strange time zones again. So yeah. Can you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So she gets back, she's in the U S um, which, which feels like a different time zone and she's traveling the day after, you know, arguably the hardest two hours of her life. I mean, she's done other high level Olympic distance races, but um, it was a good race and she went really fast and there's a certain amount of pounding when you'd run a speed, you know, much to your point, Jesse, right. It wasn't super hot and she's hauling ass for two straight hours or maybe, it was, I mean, it wasn't two hours, but whatever hour 55 or whatever it is. Um, and that takes a lot out of the body when you then hop on a plane and you, you fly back and you land, um, and she's pretty darn tired for a while. And, and we knew this. Um, we always make time to just kind of like let her sleep. But usually when you're dealing with that sort of jet lag, you might wake up at a weird time. You might want to go to sleep at a weird time. So really the first, like she would have gotten back on like a, I think a Monday, maybe it was a Sunday. Cause when you travel from Japan, you like leave on a Sunday and you get back home like earlier in the day than when you left. Cause it takes like 20 hours, you know, it's really, it's kind of a mind trip. You like live the same day twice. Um, and, and then she was just, you know, real low volume, real low intensity for like at least five days. And and this is somebody, you know, like this is her job. So she's just sleeping and taking it easy and trying to get a massage in here, there trying to stretch and, you know, try to be not as tired. But then from there, once she kind of came around a bit, we basically did, a longer run, a longer ride, some bigger swims. Swimming was the first thing we got back into it, much to your point earlier. And then we just ripped off two weeks more or less with the biggest intensity of the year because we knew she was doing a sprint race. We knew there was a chance she'd get on the relay. She did get on the relay. Um, And then she's doing a sprint distance the week after that. She's already back in Mexico, yet another time zone change. So as far as like Jesse doing one time zone change, she's gone across the world four times so far. And then we're only if by the time Jesse goes to Germany, she's going back to Germany the week after. <laughs> so, um, and that's anyway. really hard. Like that's that's legit, like harder than anything with mm-hmm. training. And you know, so, I, yes. I think people realize, you know, what kind of impact that has on on an athlete. It's massive. So, so part of the reason we chose, we actually, so originally she was going to do the race in Montreal which is not this weekend, but next weekend. So she, she went to England. There's this, there's a sprint distance race. And then she did the super sprint the next day. She does an easy ride in the morning and then she travels from Monday evening and gets in to Mexico on a Tuesday. 
it's about 20, 20 ish hours of travel, maybe 25 hours if you count the driving. Um, and she got real lucky, like had a seat with some extra leg room and actually slept on the plane. So she wasn't too beat up. She was going West, um, and handled that reasonably well, but now she's just in the middle of this week, you know, where it's just easy. She just did two massive sessions, right? Now we're all out in 20 minutes, all out on back-to-back days and then this huge travel. And so this whole week is just really easy swimming, biking and running across the board, just making sure she sleeps and just does a little bit each day. So when you look back to those two weeks in Boulder, we were just getting in a lot of intensity work, which we didn't do. I mean, we did plenty of intensity, but it was more on a two hour race. And now this next string of races is all hour races and 20 minute races. So that block in Boulder in some ways was like her main sharpening for this next race block. And then of course the races themselves are yet another part of the sharpening. And if you just let it rip hundred percent all out for one hour a week, that's about as much intensity as you can really manage when you're at the, the speeds and intensity that she's at. Um, and I think that's one thing you have to remember is this is still an endurance sport. And when you get fit enough and you've done enough speed work, et cetera, and you're really ready to push an hour is like about as much as you can do once you add in travel and everything before everything else is just back to taking care of the basics, which is, this is an endurance sport and you have to get in your easy miles across the board. Um, was she so, already yeah. used to altitude as well? Because you're talking about going from Japan, which is like, I assume she's at sea, sea level. level. Yeah. And she flies across the world and jumps right into Boulder, which is, you know, at altitude. Was that, was there an adjustment there? Or, yeah. Mean, so that's a good question. Cause in speed work right, right off the back of travel and coming from sea level at altitude. Like that's a, that's not something everybody could do. No. And it was hard and, and she was very tired before, like, and part of me is wondering, was she too tired before she left? Um, I guess we'll see. Um, cause, cause leads, when you look at how it shook out, she got 26. So she's in the top half of the race. Um, but she made the, so she just, she made the front group on the bike and then they have these crazy tight U-turns and she was like one of the last people to make the group. And then, um, they came to a complete dead stop. So by the time she's around the U-turn, she's 30 seconds down. Right. And she's good at U-turning. She like the one, her one weakness, I would say she really has where she's legitimately like bottom half of the field or even worse is her like accelerations from a dead stop. And when you think of like triathlon, that's not something you're out. So she's, she's good at accelerating from a high speed, I would say, or she's at least average when you're talking about the best of the best. Um, but from a dead stop, that's not really her forte. And she got stuck in a situation where she chase, 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 finally catches up you know, at this point, she's like 12 minutes into an all out effort or 15 minutes and everybody's maxed out. Um, and she just couldn't close the gap and everyone who's on her wheel, like she talked to him after the race and they're all like, Oh, great. We're on Erica's wheel. She's one of the stronger riders. You know, when you're actually like, it, she's not Flora Duffy, she's not Taylor nib, but like the girls who are in the race kind of know like, yeah, she's a top third or top quarter rider. You know, she's not the top five, but right after that, there's a, another group of girls and she's kind of like in, in that bunch, if you will. Um, and so they were kind of like, yeah, Erica will be able to close this gap. And they're not, they're, they're basically like, I'm, I'm already dying on her wheel. Um, and so that's what it comes down to. And, you know, she still ran well after a hard ride, but then she's, she's pulling around the second group, um, for most of, I mean, she was doing over half the pulling. So like, she still kept it kind of close, but that's what the racing's like at that level. Um, so she's clearly strong. 
there's no question about that. But at some point it's just like, Hey, these, these races, when you, when you really watch the tape and you get the insider view and you hear about like, Oh, this is how this one person ended up in eighth. And that's the best race of their life. And they are two seconds away from being 28th. And then, and then you like flip flop and then you fly across the globe a few times and throw it through the washing machine. That's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah. And why Boulder? Why did you guys pick Boulder? She wanted to check it out. Um, I'd been there a little bit. She'd only been there once and we thought we were going to stay there longer. Um, long, it's a long story about basically we thought we had a place we didn't, et cetera, et cetera, but she has family close by in Fort Collins and she's friends with a lot of the people who, um, race the WTCS circuit who are on the Australian and Bermuda team. Um, not Flora Duffy, Erica Holly. Um, yeah. And so she knew some people to train with. It was, uh, it was a nice spot to be. And she just had kind of never been there. Um, and we're, I mean, to be honest, we're looking to be somewhere where we don't have to move as much. And that's one of the handful of as much as we kind of like, don't really see ourselves as Boulder people, if you will, we're like, well, there's a huge airport there. It's not too high of elevation. It's not too low. So that's that. Um, oh, yeah. That all, that all makes sense. I was just thinking in terms of like, um, such a short bridge, two weeks between travel like that. And you're saying like, she was going from two hour <clears throat> to like a shorter one hour fast race. So speed recovery, all that is, um, high on the priority list. I would wonder, I'm just talking shop here as a coach, bless you, Jesse is, uh, you know, would you be better off? And this is just like thinking in hindsight, would you be better off to send an athlete like that for two weeks to somewhere at altitude or not at altitude at sea level They're coming from sea level, they can recover better, sleep better, hit higher speeds with easier recovery at sea level and then send them away versus, cause it really takes about three weeks to adapt to altitude and it's hard to go very fast at altitude. And if you do manage to go very fast at altitude, it's harder to recover from. So I'm just wondering like that two week training camp, yeah in Japan and then heading off if speed and recovery are the priority, which is what I'm hearing from you yeah. was the priority. Would it be better in that case? Like if you were going to do it all over again to say like, okay, let's check out Boulder afterwards. But in the meantime, let's go somewhere at sea level where we can really recover and really go fast. And those two things are just easier. I'm not saying they're impossible in a place like Boulder, but just easier and, and possibly a little bit more success there. No, you're hundred percent right. So here's what I would say. We're, it's only 5,200 feet. She grew up at 4,500 feet. Last summer, we were at 7,000. Yeah. 7,000, I would say, like going to Park City again, I would say that all plays out exactly as you said. 5,000 feet, honestly, it was easier for her to recover there than it was in Tucson when it's 9,500 every day. Right. So, so like that's, she's... That's to know. You know your athlete. You know that she was going to be able to handle that and it's not going to happen. But then on top of that, the travel in and out of Denver was just a lot easier than almost anywhere else in the U S and then she had a handful of people to like, give her like, you know, she'd already, the, the people she was training with in Boulder, she's already trained with them in Tucson. She gets along with them really well. Um, and they were just a great resource. Yeah. So even though she'd never been there, like we were staying in an athlete's house. Yeah. And so we knew where they were training previously so we could just kind of go from there yeah and it was honestly the easiest training camp we've ever done where we were in a place we haven't been because we had so many resources um and it is such a easy to set up place i mean it heck well 
Yeah. I was going to say at one point it snowed a, a foot or whatever, but I think that's the day before she got back. So maybe only I had to deal with that, but it was, it was really smooth. And I think you're right. If the travel in and out was harder, we wouldn't have done it. So it was as much about like the travel and the weather as it was like the altitude at the end of the day. If it was set, if, if Boulder was at 7,000 feet, yeah, we probably wouldn't have done it. But 5,000 feet is like kind of in that sweet spot of sure it's altitude, but um, it's not any worse than like pretty extreme heat, I would say, or even just moderate heat. And even um, just the logistics of having uh, good training partners and being set up like right off, right off the, you yeah, know, like that right lowered the, the stress. It, that's, yeah, that, that's huge. Like if you know the altitude's not going to be an issue and you just hop right off the plane and settle right into perfect routine right away and an elite level, like that's important. You're not, you know, screwing around with logistics and trying to figure everything out. And, and your, you know, motivation can be a little bit hard between those things. Cause you're tired. Right. And so if you've got good training partners right away to, to latch onto and just be like, I'll just wake up and go meet them. Then those things do make a difference. And I think it's just important to highlight those things. So if people are making these kinds of decisions for themselves or they're hearing, and they're trying to read between the lines, it's like, you knew your athlete, you knew that 5,000 feet was no big deal, but having good training partners right off the plane, having good routine right off the plane was going to make more of a difference for someone like her than, you know, worrying about being, maybe she flies into San Diego, but knows, has no one to train right. with, doesn't know where anything is. It's a logistical shit show. She's kind of down because she's by herself. Like, um, so yeah, like all you weigh out matters. all of those things when you're making these decisions, like, like Jesse's having to make different types of decisions based out of home, family, all of these things versus like Erica's bridging a bunch of races and, you know, it's, it looks a little bit different based on what she needs. So I think really people can listen to both of these scenarios. And if they're planning those types of things, take, you know, each one of those into account and then go like, okay, what's actually applies to me. And, you know, how could I, you know, make best use of that or what would I change or, you know, it's not just black or white, you know, I think that's the, you look at all of these different balls in the air and, and apply it to your situation specifically. Yeah. And even more so, so we're back in Montana. We're both like fr from Montana, our families are in Montana. And, um, and so she's going to have access to a really nice 50 meter pool. That's right down the way. We already know all the training routes. This is where she started doing triathlon. Um, and so she's going to get uh, two, two and a half weeks before she leaves for her next race in Montana. And it is going to be harder travel in and out, but once she's here, it's, it's even lower elevation. It's only 3,000, 3,500. So elevation is like a moot point. This is the like nicest time of year. It's not yet blazing hot, but it's not cold at all. And we have blazing no hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, but you guys live in freaking the butthole of America for three months of the year. Oof. So three months, there's the other nine, but um, yeah, at least it's not humid. That is true. It could be worse. You could be in South Texas. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's all playing in too. And then like the logistics of her going to Europe for a couple months, a lot of it is predicated on having a, a place to put your mountain bike and a place to store your extra clothes, et cetera. So part of coming to Montana is yes, we know, we know people she can swim, bike and run with. Um, but it's also just like, it makes her life coming back from that, that much easier. And she has options then to, to go wherever. And at this point in her career, um, and with the way that they're laying out races and changing races on somewhat short notice, we just kind of need that flexibility and you can train in Montana, like 
at least through the end of September, essentially with no issues, unless there's forest fire smoke. Um, so right now it's just kind of like, yep, yeah, that's the setup. And, and so much of it is about keeping the stress low and, um, and making sure everything's a comfortable environment. Very cool. Very cool. So Marilyn, how's my your running? Life, I know my life is much less exciting than yours. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you guys, I love all the travel and stuff like that. I miss that. I mean, obviously I traveled, like I had an around the world ticket every year for like almost 10 years and bridging races and training, you know, training locations and getting, you know, doing all of those things. And so I love hearing these stories and, and now my life is much more, much more, uh, I guess I don't want to say sedentary cause it's not sedentary, but like, I'm just in one spot more than anything. So definitely different. Um, but you have, uh, changed up your go-to of training. Yeah. So, you know, even though I'm retired and, you know, coaching is my, you know, that's what I do now. That's the, that's the absolute, um, priority and everything. I like to play around with different things with myself. Well, one, I still really enjoy the being fit and sports and athletics and all that stuff. And I like to set my own goals, but I also find it good to experiment with different things and go through different processes with myself. And then I always learn something from that to carry forward to other athletes and the athletes I coach. And, you know, you learn something new that might not be, because at this point, when you've been doing it this long, there's not going to be a whole lot in textbooks that we're going to read that we haven't either read before or done it, or, you know, you can go to a million conferences, coaches, all these things. And eventually you just have to start doing some pretty off the cuff things with yourself or continue to do that to learn new things. It might be like an epic fail or it might be like, oh man, that was really cool. And I didn't expect that. And that's really, I learned something from that. And then you can carry it forward to people who are coming to you for advice. And so, so yeah, I went through, I've been just going through a little interesting process with that little fun one over the last, I guess, three months now, three and a half months. Yeah, Marilyn, it, it did seem like a pretty interesting experiment you went through, even from like right before camp to the week after camp. And I was like, hey, Marilyn, do you want to go for a ride? And you were like, hey, I'm not riding anymore. And I was like, oh, it's funny because we just rode like 400 miles last week, but okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, here's the thing. Uh, Elliot and I just chatted for way too long and we've got a ton of questions we want to ask you about your experiment. Because as you said, like, this is not an experiment you're going to see in a textbook and and so like, I know it's a sample size of one, but I think we are pretty interested in, in kind of what happened to your fitness and how it changed and kind of what you thought would happen versus what did happen. Yeah. Kind of all the takeaways from, uh, an end of one experiment in order to make sure we get the most out of that and not trying to shortchange you with the last 10 minutes of the episode here. If you guys are on board, I say we postpone Marilyn. Um, and give her her entire episode she can really shine and not oh, just oh <laughs> man <laughs> yeah no that's cool I, I I think you know we chatted a little bit before we started recording there's a it's a good three month experimental process that I went through that I've had a lot of surprises from it and so it would be fun to share that with everyone get some questions get some opinions also maybe you know we can agree and disagree and all of that on how the how the whole process has gone, but I've certainly learned some things and, and thought it was, you know, just really an interesting process to go through. So yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. I'm looking yeah, I think, forward to it. I think there could definitely be some good takeaways that athletes can glean from it too. And just how, 
maybe they won't respond exactly the same way, but you know, just hearing how one person responds can definitely influence what you kind of are thinking about you could even try. I think there's also a lot of takeaways for the, for an amateur athlete, right. And what you're going through now. And probably most people listening to that will kind of, uh, a lot, their lives will align with that a little bit more than traveling back and forth across the world six times in a <laughs> month and a half. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. Cool. Well, good luck with your travels, Jesse. We'll definitely all be watching and seeing how this plays out and we'll get to touch base afterwards. And Elliot, super cool to start, you know, watching Erica develop, watch her, watching her kick ass, watching her move through the different circuits. So we'll be interested to see how they continue to play out. And um, yeah. Fun stuff. It's always good to get the inside that we might not hear anywhere else. Yeah, it's been good. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Bye. Bye.